Hey everyone, I'm Colin Seventy, and this is Live from the Trenches. When I was a freshman in high school, I sustained a shoulder injury. I can actually remember the moment that it happened, the excruciating pain that I felt in that moment. And I knew something was wrong. I knew it wasn't just, oh, I tweaked a little bit, but I just kind of uh, sucked it up and it would subside a little bit and then flare up and I just kept kept on moving moving forward. And as time went on, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until it got to the point where I couldn't even dress myself. I would wake up in the middle of the night in absolute agony, just doing the most random, mundane, everyday things was no longer bearable. And I'm telling you this because although it's a very literal um, presentation of this principle, running from your pain causes nothing but a compounding culmination of exponentially larger issues. See, I had this injury and, you know, if I had taken the time to heal that summer, you know, maybe, you know, seek treatment for it, whatever that would have entailed at that time, it probably would have been a shorter um, process of healing. Um, I would have been better for it and better for myself, from teammates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I didn't. I didn't want to address it. I didn't want to accept that there was this issue. I didn't want to slow me down, but ultimately not wanting to slow me down in that moment ultimately led to exponentially larger problems requiring surgery, requiring months and months of physical therapy to where now, you know, I'm, gosh, six years removed from that operation and it's still not the same and it may never be. Um, and it's the same thing with your mental pain and your emotional pain and the pain that you're bottling up inside you. I can say the same thing um, in that regard about myself. You know, I had a lot of pain as a child, as a young kid, um, literally as long as I can remember, where there was traumatic moments, stressful and tumultuous environments and situations um, that deeply affected me and controlled my behavior, had me living in fear, had me diminishing my self-worth, um, disliking myself, and those controlled me every day. And I they continued to compound for years and years. And obviously when you're a little kid, it's really hard to like wrap your head around that stuff. So, you know, if you hide it, you're pretty much dependent on, you know, an adult intervening um, to get you whatever help that you need. And even then, it's up to you to want it. Um, so as time went on, even once I was old enough to real, and it had festered and, you know, fermented and boiled up within me for years and years, and this stuff kept building up and building up. And there was, you know, life goes on. So naturally, there's more things that just pile on of what was already there, I still neglected it. 
I didn't take the time to heal, to grow, to address it, to walk through that discomfort and that pain in order to get to the other side of it. And it drove me to use drugs and alcohol. It drove me to mistreat people every single day. It drove me to lie, cheat, and steal my way through life. It led me to be a bad employee, son, brother, boyfriend, friend, person. So what are you running from? What are you hiding from? What are you numbing or inebriating or just, just want to forget about it? Well, I got news for you. You can't. You cannot outrun your pain. You cannot hide from your pain. You cannot, there is not an amount of drugs or alcohol or online shopping or gambling or sex or whatever that is going to heal that. If it did, there's a lot of problems that would be solved very easily. Um, and I would have solved my own a long time ago. When I was in rehab, we had to do the 12 steps. Now, again, as I said earlier in episodes, I had been to like an AA meeting once or twice before, and it was a lousy rep. Those meetings were a lousy representation of what the program of AA actually is. So when I first found out we had to do the 12 steps, I was like, fuck, dude, like, I don't want to do that. But thank God I had already just been so desperate to get help that I was just like, fuck it. They said it works. I'm going to fucking do it. And the fourth step, the 12 steps of AA requires you to make a list of all people, principles, and institutions that you resented. So obviously, if you're being thorough and honest, when you look back on your whole life, even at 22 years old, um, I had a massive list of people, institutions, and principles that I harbored resentment for. And then that's part one of the fourth step. The next thing you do is you identify for each of those things what they did or what you resent about them. You just write, doesn't, you don't have to explain, you don't have to justify, just write down, so-and-so did this. The school wouldn't let me do that. This law prevents me from this, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to do all those things for each, starting with the first person, and then once you listed everything you've resented them for, you move on to the next. The third part of that is you explain how it affected you, whether it was your finances, your uh, physical or emotional security, um, you know, just all the different ways that it affected you. Personal relationships, sexual relationships, those are other examples. The fourth part of that is you what we call turnarounds. So for each of those moments of resentment that you had for each person, you have to turn it around on yourself and say, how are you selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, which is basically how did you manipulate other people's perception of you and fearful? How are you selfish, dishonest, fearful, and self-seeking? So if you're like me and you know other people who are very thorough and honest about it, it's not just, oh, there's one way I was selfish. There was one way I was fearful. It, no, like there were some, especially the really, you know, those resentments that had a lot of depth and weight, um, which ironically are usually the people closest to you. And 
I would have, you know, 10 ways I was selfish, 10 ways I was dishonest, 10 ways I was fearful, you know, and for each resentment for each person. Um, so basically by the end of it, I had multiple notebooks, handwritten front to back pages filled with all these things, all these moments of my life where a person, an institution or a principle, you know, had something to do with the resentment and the, the uh, internal turmoil within me. And now like, as I'm doing it, I like, and it's on, you know, unfolding. I like multiple times be like, holy shit, man. Like I have a freaking, I'm not even done. And I have one and a half full notebooks handwritten front to back. So multiple, you know, 200 pages of handwritten writing. That's literally all, you know, people that I resented or whatever resentments I've caught over the years. And those have all just been sitting in my heart and my soul every day. I've been carrying that shit with me every single day of my life. And for a lot of those, as I'm writing them, you know, it could have been five, 10, 15 years ago when this, you know, and when one of these things happened and as I'm sitting there in Granite House or in rehab and I'm writing about it in my mind, it's like I'm right back in that moment the second that it was happening. And there'd be times where I'd be filled with rage, with sadness, with fear, whatever. I was feeling those emotions as I'm writing it 15 years after the fact as if I was there right then. And I would be overwhelmed and I would be, you know, it, it, I would sometimes just have to get up and walk away, go in the other room, step outside and calm down or you know, cry it out, whatever, you know, and luckily I had some, I made some really good friends who we, and that really wanted this shit too, that we held each other accountable and they'd come out and check on me. How you doing, dude? You know, you all right. And just explain, yeah, man, just, some, and I'll explain what I just explained to you. And they're like, yeah, dude, I get it. That's, that was me yesterday. You know, some days you'd crank out 15, you know, turnarounds or whatever and some days you crank out too because they were so lengthy or because it was so painful that it you know it took you an hour just to get through one because it that emotion was just so strong and overwhelming 15 10 years after the fact it's because it was unhealed that's why i was feeling that that's why in that moment, you know, I'm 22 years old writing about something that happened when I was seven. And I'm feeling the raw emotion, the very same that I did 15 years ago, because it was unhealed. All I did was stuff that shit down, bury it deep within me. And do what I had to do to cope with it. And that's almost always unhealthy behavior or even things that aren't inherently unhealthy, but as time goes on, you have to do, engage in these behaviors in such excess or at the expense of others to where it is toxic. And not just to you either, to other people. But thank God I stuck with it and I didn't just say, fuck it, I'll skip this one. And then once you finished all these, the writing, you have to read all this shit to somebody. 
Now, a lot of people, I would, if you're being honest, I would say everyone is scared to death of this. I know I was because this is a lot. There's a lot of shit I didn't want to talk about. I didn't even want to write it. I didn't want to think about it. But if, if I did, I would have been trying so desperately to bury it within me for years and years and years. We have to read it to somebody. Now, it's kind of like, a, you know, obviously whoever you read it to, it's like they take it to the grave with them. And, you know, it's like part of the sanctity of this experience is that, you know, nothing you say will ever be talked about. And um, I think most people should do this. And I know the person I read it to did. They, before I even started, they said, you know, made themselves vulnerable about some things they didn't really want anybody to know about. You know, it was probably on their fourth step, you know, things that they would care not to talk about ever again. And they would share that with me to be like, dude, like, don't hold any, like I'm here right now making myself vulnerable to you about stuff that is extremely painful to me. And I'm doing this to sort of earn your trust that you will be as thorough and complete as you can when reading this to me. You will not leave anything out so that you can be better and we will both take these things to the grave. And so I read it and it took hours and then you know, I spent an hour in prayer and meditation. And dude, honestly, I was a little disappointed after because I was expecting that, you know, the clouds would open up and there would be a, you know, an angelic chorus with a beam of light coming down. And I would just, you know, have this, I would be lifted into the air by angels. And obviously that didn't happen. But what I realized was a couple days later, as I'm laying in bed with no phone, no television, no nothing to distract me or numb me or inebriate me or drown out my thoughts, I realized, holy shit, man, for the first time ever that I can literally ever remember, as I lay here with nothing but my thoughts, all I hear is silence. I don't have the chant of a thousand monkeys replaying, you know, moments of pain, moments of suffering, moments of trauma, you know, replaying a moment where someone wronged me and made me angry and what I wish I would have said, replaying moments of regret, things that I wish so badly I could take back for a hundred different reasons, but I can't. Nothing. I realize I'm finally free of all that shit that I didn't even realize was fucking poisoning me every day. So the point I'm trying to make here is that it's inevitable that you're going to experience pain in life. I guarantee everybody listening to this has experienced some form of trauma, an extremely painful moment, tremendous stress that, you know, affects you deeply. If you haven't, either you're like six months old or, I don't know, you're an extremely rare case and in any situation, like, it's coming, dude. One one day. The pain is inevitable. But the amount in which you suffer, the length of time that which you suffer is not inevitable. That doesn't mean that when these painful things come up or happen to you, that 
it's always your fault. Yeah, a lot of my shit, yeah, was my fault one way or another. That's what the point of the turnaround is. To see, you know, to, to instead of pointing the finger at everybody else, to point at you and be like, "See, man, like it's not just everybody else. You're not perfect." And in fact, you start to notice a trend of character defects and flaws that come up, and that gives you a list of things right there to, you know, of character defects and flaws to address and work on to be a better person, to have more peace for yourself and be better for others. But you're going to feel pain. It's inevitable. You're going to be doing everything. You could be doing everything right in life, never wrong anybody. And your wife's going to get cancer. You know, you're a good friend of yours is going to get hit by a car and, and die. You're going to freaking COVID's going to hit and you're going to lose the job you just got. So now your job, you know, you have no income and you're trying to support a family, whatever the case may be. And these things, there's plenty of times when these, you know, moments of tremendous pain aren't your fault. You couldn't have done anything to avoid it. But here's the thing. You have, you cannot run from it. You have to face it. You have to look that shit in the eye and say, you got me, you knocked me down, but I ain't fucking staying down. I'll, if I have to crawl, I'll crawl till I can get up and walk. And then eventually I'm going to run and I'm going to fly. Because you will not hold me back and you will not fucking hold me down. You will not own my soul, my heart, my spirit. You will not control me every single day. And it's not easy. It is extremely uncomfortable. Like I said, when I would be sitting there writing about things that happened 10, 15 years ago, it was like I was reliving it for the first time in that moment. And all I wanted to do was run away. All I wanted to do was stop. I didn't have to tell him. I could have just shut the book or moved on to the next one, forgotten about it. Nobody would know that I was hanging on to something until the day came where it bit me in the ass and I relapsed. Or even, you know, even if I stay sober, I don't experience that freedom. And so it continues to poison me and fester within me. And I've developed a habit of just stuffing things down and running from it. So I continue to do that moving forward. Thank God I stared that shit in the face. And as much as it beat me down time and time again, I said, not this time, motherfucker. Not this time. This far, but no further. You will no longer own me. You will no longer poison my spirit and my heart. You will no longer control my thoughts and my actions every waking moment to the point where I have to drink, smoke, snort, anything to get rid of it for just a moment. You cannot outrun your pain. You must face it. But I'm telling you, if you are willing to walk through that, you are willing to stare that shit in the face. And do what you have to do, whether it's therapy sessions, where it's therapy, you know, therapeutic writing like I had to do in treatment, whether it's exercising every day to lose that weight that's killing you. Whatever it is, you have to walk through it. You have to face it. It's not going to go away. It won't. You're going to carry that shit around you forever. Someone explained it to me. It's like having, you know, you have this backpack and every time you catch a resentment or something bad happens to you, you throw a stone in it. Now, if you're willing to take the time and effort to get that stone out, 
your bag will stay light. And each moment it will be, you know, a lot more manageable. But if you just keep at throwing stones in there and you just keep ignoring the shit, eventually it's going to break you down. Eventually you will fall flat on your face. And even if you're willing to empty it out, it's going to be a lot longer and a lot harder. So do yourself a favor and do the things that are going to help you heal and help you grow because it is fucking inevitable. There will be times in life that are really fucking hard and really painful. There's, like I said, sometimes you could be doing everything right. You could be on the, the, the pinnacle trajectory of success and something is going to come out of nowhere that may or may not have been your fault whatsoever and is going to fucking smash you, beat you to your knees and leave you in the gutter to die. And that's where you're going to stay if you don't fucking do anything. If you're not willing to get to work, if you're not willing to face it, if you're not willing to do the things that have been done by those before you that got them out. See, there have been people that have went through worse things than I have that weren't drug addicts, that weren't alcoholic, that didn't lie, cheat, and steal and do all these terrible things. Right? So... What's, what's the difference? The difference was there are those who took the time. They had some sort of intervention, whether it was self-inflicted or they sought help or they had some other profound experience that equipped them to free themselves from the bondage of self and from the bondage of all these mental and emotional bedevilments. But I didn't. I hit it. And I fucking ran every single time. And it literally almost put me in a fucking box six feet below your feet. Literally. I implore you. I empower. I urge. I beg of you with all the earnestness at my command to stop running from whatever it is. Stop hiding from whatever. Stop trying to, to drown it out. To numb it. To melt, you have to face it. You have to purge it. You have to free yourself from the chains. I'd like to read a poem to you that was read to me the day I left rehab by a very close friend of mine. It's called The Man in the Glass by Dale Woodrow. When you get what you want in your struggle for self, and the world makes you king for a day. Just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what the man has to say. For it isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment upon you must pass. The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the one staring back from the glass. You may be like Jack Homer and chisel a plum and think you're a wonderful guy. But the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. He's the fellow to please never mind all the rest. For he's with you clear to the end. And you've passed your most difficult test if the man in the glass is your friend. You may fool the whole world on the pathway of years and get pats on the back as you pass but your final reward will be heartache and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. Thank you all for listening. I'm rooting for you. 
I love you, and I want to see you win. Until next time, the best is yet to come.